0: Welcome to Accessible Art History, the podcast, the best place for art history lovers or anyone that is curious. My name is Annalisa and I'm going to be sharing an amazing Metropolitan Masterpiece with you today. Just a quick reminder before the episode starts, all sources and images will be posted on the Accessible Art History blog. You can find the link in the episode description as well as on Instagram at accessible.art.history and at metropolitan.masterpieces. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get started. Welcome back to Accessible Art History, the podcast today is the season finale of metropolitan masterpieces to wrap up our journey through the metropolitan museum of art i had to choose one of my absolute favorite pieces the fragment of a queen's face may appear simple at first glance but it can actually tell viewers a lot about the amanda period of ancient egypt so to find out all about it keep on listening the fragment of a queen's face is a small sculpture made of yellow jasper it stands at about five and inches or 13 centimeters tall but it would have been bigger in antiquity This is because the top half of the statue's face has broken off. Although this means her identity has been lost to history, it's still somehow aesthetically pleasing. The sharp planes of the break contrast with the full, rounded lips and chin. It's mysterious and captures the viewer's attention right away. Some historians theorize that the statue would have worn a wig. However, without the body and the top of her head, it's hard to understand the original context. Regardless, it's a beautiful piece that makes people stop in their tracks. The number one question about the sculptural fragment is, who is she? There are no inscriptions or identifying features on the piece, so art historians have debated her identity for years. We do know that she dates to the 18th Dynasty in the New Kingdom period, due to some stylistic features, especially the lips. point to it being from the Armana period, around 1390 to 1336 BCE. This leaves us with three main contenders for the fragment's identity. The first possibility is Queen Nefertiti, whose name translates to, The Beautiful One Has Come. Born around 1370 BCE in the city of Thebes, Nefertiti rose to prominence as the great royal wife of Pharaoh Akhenaten. There's even some evidence that she ruled as co-regent cool and then sole pharaoh under the name Smenkare. This level of power was quite rare in ancient Egypt, but there are a few examples of it throughout the civilization's history. Renowned for her unparalleled beauty and regal presence, Nefertiti's influence ascended far beyond her physical allure. She played a crucial role in her husband's revolutionary religious and cultural reforms, which aimed to shift Egypt's focus from traditional polytheism to the worship of the sun-disk Aten. This marks a period of significant departure from Egypt's long-established traditions, and something I'll discuss later in this episode. Nefertiti's distinct portrayal in art is captured in a famous bust of her discovered in 1912. You can see an image of it on the blog. Its lips and chin are quite similar to the sculptural fragment, which lends evidence that it is a depiction of this beautiful queen. Another option for the statue's identity is Queen Ti. She was a powerful and influential figure in ancient Egypt during the 14th century BCE. She is most famously remembered as the great royal wife of Pharaoh Amenhotep III, the mother of the iconic pharaoh Akhenaten, and the grandmother of the legendary Tutankhamen. Born around 1398 BCE, Ti came from a non-royal background which was kind of unusual for a queen of her stature. Her father was named Yuya, and he was a high-ranking official. Her mother, Tuya, played an important role in the royal court, which likely contributed to T's eventual rise to the position of great royal wife. Her marriage to Amenhotep III solidified her position as queen and consort. Her strong personality and intelligence allowed her to exert considerable influence over both domestic and foreign affairs. There's evidence that she corresponded with foreign leaders, making her one of the first known royal figures to engage in diplomatic exchanges. One of the most remarkable aspects of Queen Ti's legacy is her role as a mother because she gave birth to several children, including the Crown Prince Thutmose, who predeceased his father, and Akhenaten. Her support for Akhenaten's religious reforms showed her political acumen and willingness to embrace a change. After Amenhotep III's death, T continued to wield influence in her son's court. One of the best preserved sculptures of her, which will be featured in the blog, shows a remarkable similarity to the fragment of the Queen's face. Due to her prominence, she's another likely contender for the identity of the subject. The final possibility is a lesser-known figure in history. Her name is Kia, and she was a lesser wife of Pharaoh Akhenaten. Her origins and background are not well documented, making it challenging to piece together a comprehensive biography. Some theories suggest that she might have been a noble birth or even a foreign princess. Her name, which translates to The Glorious One, suggests that she was important. Kia is depicted in some artistic representations in a manner that is akin to a queen. She's often shown with a distinct hairstyle, which I've posted a picture of in the blog so you can see what it looks like. Kia is believed to have been the mother of King Tut, but that theory is uncertain and debated. This became even more complicated when about a decade ago, King Tut's DNA was sequenced showing that his parents were brother and sister. Records of Amenhotep III's reign do not show that he had a daughter named Kia. Unlike and Nefertiti, we do not have many surviving images of Kia to compare to the Fragment, but you can tell that the lower faces are similar, so she is a possibility. Next, I'm going to discuss more about the Armana period and the Fragment, but first, let's take a quick break. there this is Annalisa the founder of accessible art history thanks for tuning in today as a part of my mission I work to provide free quality art history content for anyone who's curious but if you'd like to support accessible art history you can find the link to my patreon for monthly support or buy me a coffee for a one-time donation if you do decide to donate please let me know so that I can give you a shout out on a future episode thank you for listening and let's get back to our episode Alright, now that we're back, let's dive into how this work captures imaginations three and a half thousand years after it was made. In a fascinating twist of fate, the sculpture's fragmentation is what set it apart from viewers and the Met's collections. Of course, it would have its own artistic value as if it was unbroken, but its partial destruction creates this air of mystery. Who is she? What happened to her? We look for these answers, but we don't know if we'll ever find them. This draws in viewers and makes them want to look at the work even closer. Additionally, the sharp edges of the planes of her face have created an almost, quote, modern effect. In my opinion, she almost looks like a Picasso painting come to life. Her human face has been transformed into a series of angular shapes. It takes on this almost mythical quality, something not of this world. I think it's fascinating that her fragmentation has created a piece with new meaning and visual interest. This work is a part of the unique period of ancient Egyptian history known as the Amana period. I talked a little bit about it before the break, but let's dive in deeper. Also known as the Armana Revolution, this was a fascinating and transformative era in ancient Egyptian history. It lasted approximately from 1353 to 1336 BCE. It was marked with the reign of Pharaoh Akhenaten, who departed traditional Egyptian religious and artistic norms in a completely radical way. Akhenaten, who was originally named Amenhotep IV, ascended to the throne after the death of his father and initiated a great religious and cultural shift about five years in. He rejected the traditional polytheistic worship of many gods and goddesses, and instead promoted the soul-worship of the sun-disk Aten. This marked a departure from millennia of religious tradition and resulted in the establishment of a new capital city called Akhenaten, which is known today as Tel al amarna The art of the Amarna period reflects this dramatic transformation. Amana art is characterized by a departure from the idealized and rigid conventions of the Egyptian canon. Instead, it embraced a more naturalistic and relaxed approach. The human body has a greater focus on being more proportional and having lifelike features. Figures are often shown with elongated limbs, skulls, and very curvaceous forms, which is quite different from Egyptian art of previous centuries. The royal family was also shown in a more normal way. Instead of being these godlike figures who were strong and powerful, Akhenaten and his family are shown as loving and affectionate and engaging in everyday activities. It was almost as if Akhenaten was signaling to his people that he was like them. The Amarna period also witnessed a certain degree of experimentation in art, with artists exploring different techniques and styles it's evident in the diverse representation of human forms, which you can see on the blog post. After Akhenaten's death, his reforms and the art style fell out of favor. Egypt returned to its traditional religious ways and kind of forgot about him. The city of Almarna was abandoned, and much of its art was defaced, destroyed, or just left behind. But because it was abandoned and located in the desert, later archaeologists have come in and been able to discover the wonders of this mysterious time in ancient Egypt. The Fragment of a Queen's Face is truly one of the most fascinating works in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Although her identity is unknown, she can tell us a lot about the Amarna period and the people that lived through it. Well, that's a wrap on this season of Accessible Art History, the podcast. It's so much fun exploring the Metropolitan Museum of Art and some of its many masterpieces with you. I have a few ideas of topics for the next season, so keep an eye out on all social media for an upcoming announcement. Thank you, as always, for listening and supporting Accessible Art History. I couldn't do this without you, and I can't wait to see you next season. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Accessible Art History, the podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at accessible.art.history and at metropolitan.masterpieces for updates and to keep an eye out for the next episode. They drop every week on your favorite podcast platform. If you prefer to listen on YouTube, you can find episodes there on Well, about two weeks after each episode is posted. Cheers, and see you for the next episode.